Vahini Mekioni Mana, ladies and gentlemen. No flashbulbs, please. Our performers are temperamental and easily upset. Thank you for your cooperation. Oh, look at all the people. My goodness, you're all staring at us. We better start the show rolling. Wait, wait. We forgot to wake up the glee club. Hey, howdy, hey. Thank you for joining us here on the channel Kiki Talk. This is episode 19. Our 40 Disney Dollar Day segment has become pretty popular, and we enjoy everyone who has interacted with their own quest to stay under budget. Before we begin this week's show, we are pleased to announce a partnership with V24 Radio. We are excited to be joining a great cast of Disney podcasts, including Disney Dream Girls podcast, the Disney Wedding podcast, Wonders of the World, and Communicore Weekly. Our show will be replayed on Thursdays at 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. Eastern Time. V24Radio.com streams Disney Park music all day, every day, so be sure to tune in. On this week's show, we have brought in an expert to talk all things Polynesian. He goes by the name of Tiki Man, so please welcome Steve into the Tiki Hut. Hey, Steve. Aloha, guys. Aloha. Thanks for joining us uh, tonight. We appreciate it. Uh, you know, hopefully we can um, talk some uh, fun things about the Polynesian Resort. Uh, I know I'm a big fan. Alan, I know you're a fan of the Polynesian. Keith, not so much, but uh, <laughs> we're going to try to tra- change that tonight. I think we can do that. <laughs> All right. So, um, how did you? I, granted, you you do live on the on the, uh, on the West Coast, and you you are much closer to Disney World, Disneyland, than you are at Disney World. So let's just give just give us a little uh, backstory about your um, your fascination with the Polynesian Resort. Sure. Well, um, I grew up uh, going to Disneyland since um, I was, I think, four years old. It was probably my first trip. And um, probably through the late 80s till now, I've probably been to a Disney park at least once a year. Um, Disney World never really fascinated me until um, Epcot was built. And then they had that special on TV kind of about the Epcot opening. And it looked like something that was worth uh, traveling across the country to go see. So uh, once we uh, visited Disney World and saw how, how much more it had to offer, it kind of became something we kind of go off and on. We do, you know, Disney World one year and Disneyland the next. Um, and I remember, you know, my first memories of going through there was obviously going through the contemporary is a big thing, but I still remember stopping over at the um, Polynesian to check it out. And my first thought was it was almost like you were isolated on a tropical island and, and it was it, I remember thinking how um, cool it was for the people that were staying there you know I was kind of jealous that I wasn't one of the guests there so of course um, I, I also through uh, my teens um, early teens and into my 20s I spent a lot of time in Hawaii and sometimes we would go for uh, multiple weeks at a time and I kind of hung out with the locals and that's kind of where my my fascination for um, not only Hawaii but Polynesian islands and, and of course all things tiki came from um, that experience. So the, when I finally had a chance to go out to Disney World on my own, the first place I wanted to stay was the Polynesian, and from there on out, it's it's been my pretty much my main destination when I go out there. What I, what I wanted to say was it, what fascinates me is is with uh, you guys living on the West Coast is that. You can go to Hawaii on for a weekend, 
and coming from the East Coast, that's like virtually impossible. This is it's a 10 to 12 hour long flight. It's just it's just amazing to think like, oh yeah, you know what? Let's go to Hawaii for the weekend. It's just I, I just can't grasp grasp that at all. It's just you know, it's fascinating. Me. Yeah, it's funny you say that because actually there was um, I remember when I first met my wife, um, she had never been to Hawaii, and I wanted to start taking her with me obviously on our vacation start going there uh, she had never really been her destination so what I did is I thought we had had a, a trip planned to Maui uh, in the summer and I was a little concerned with if she was gonna like it or not I mean cuz I mean I know I like it but not everybody does and uh, she was kinda of big into Mexico at the time and so what I did is I found a special just kinda of last minute for uh, Valentine's weekend and it was like a, a three or four night stay uh, a quick trip you know, you, you, we spent the weekend basically over in Oahu as kind of her first experience um, of the islands. And uh, like you say, there's not too many places you can just kind of in the last minute hop on a plane and, and shoot on over. And even though I say that, you know, it's pretty easy, it's still pretty much as long a flight as it is for us to, you know, fly out to Florida. Right. Whereas, like, <clears throat> us on the East Coast, we'll go down to the Caribbean. You know, right. that's, that's easier for us to do. So, you know, there's a lot of people on the West Coast be like, oh, you know, I'd love to go to the Caribbean, but you guys got Hawaii. So it's just it's just funny to, to think that, you know, the two different uh, the coast things. So that's pretty that's pretty wild. And, you know, those those two different destinations, you know, a lot of people um, I know on the East Coast that I know consider like the Caribbean, the Bahamas and stuff kind of their version of Hawaii. But right. I tell you, the, the two couldn't be any more different other than the fact that they both have, you know, palm trees and, and water. <laughs> right. Have you been out uh, down since Olani opened? No, I actually visited. Uh, we were invited to come out and visit Olani um, about two weeks before it opened and do a hard hat tour. So we um, uh, that was the last time we were out at Oahu. Um, flew out for a couple of days and then and took that tour. And I, I was pretty impressed with um, the way it was it was set up. It it's um, it's kind of been an interesting part of Oahu um, where uh, most people. Uh, wouldn't think to go on that side. It kind of becomes a little bit more of a kind of a locals-only side of the island. But luckily, you know, the uh, Koalinas area is kind of a, a private um, gated community kind of a thing with condos and golf course and and uh, a couple of nice resorts there. So it's it, you know, it's in and of itself is a nice destination. And it's not too far from some of the other tourist spots. So now with the you know the Disney uh, DVC resort, the Alani resort. Um, we all know that the Polynesian Resort in Disney World is going to be going to a DVC as well. So that's something we want to definitely talk about. But uh, one of the hot topics these days is the, the lobby at the Polynesian and the removal, the removal of the, the waterfall inside and um, trying, they, I guess they, you can tell us more about it, but they want to open up the, the lobby a little bit more to make it look more like, in respect to Alani, to try to just break it, look, make it look more open and more inviting. Is that the idea? Yeah, well, as it was described to me, um, what it is is <clears throat> they want to try and um, – I'm guessing they want to kind of get back some of that real estate. And I don't necessarily think they're going to – a lot of people have been throwing around the idea that they're going to throw a store in the middle or throw the main um, front desk in the middle there, which that wasn't what how it was described to me. But it sounded more like they were trying to make it kind of more of an open lobby. A statement I've heard a couple of times from some people working on the project is – they want to be able people to come in the front door and kind of be able to see out the back, you know, through the windows. You know, I don't know if you can necessarily going to be see the castle from that far, but you'll be looking in that direction. But kind of more of that open front to back 
kind of thing like Aulani has. But I, it's not really going to be kind of a, uh, a copy of Aulani, but it's just kind of more of that kind of that same openness that the lobby has and and they have a quite a few new ideas they'll have they'll have a another water feature but uh, i know a lot of people are going to miss you know the one that's been there for since the opening day it sounds a lot like they're trying to aim for the feel you get when you walk inside jumbo house uh, animal kingdom lodge or grand floridian or uh, wilderness lodge when you walk in and it's that big expansive open lobby you can see through especially at jumbo house you can see through to the savannas there it sounds like maybe that's kind of what they're going for yeah yeah and and, um there's a couple other things they have to do some improvements um kind of for three reasons one is um the the, uh, skylights at the top have to be replaced you know it may be that it's easier to do that if that, that area below is clear um the fountain itself takes in water from outside uh where those ponds are and i guess there's some issues with the filtration where if they don't keep up on it, which, you know, it's, it's pretty uh, dated equipment and they, they do their best. That's why you often see it shut down. But if uh, something happens with the filters, they have to turn it off because I guess it brings in some kind of a bacteria or parasite that can, that can spread in, you know, inside the lobby. So they've been struggling with that for years and years, trying to fix it, rip it apart, um, turn it off. Uh, so it's just come to the point where I think they've decided to with the new design, which they had to do some other improvements anyway, that they were going to kind of try and start over from scratch when it comes to the lobby itself. Do you mourn the loss of that water feature? Or are you kind of okay with it? Or, or, you know, how do you feel about that? Yeah, you know, it's kind of one of those things where there's there's nothing you can do about stressing about it. Uh, so you kind of have to just come to grips with it. I, I think I'm going to miss it because it, it definitely was a feel that you're so used to, uh, you know, going in there and it, and, it, and it brings back memories of all the other times you'd been there. You have to have a little bit of faith that they're going to come up with something nice. I, I'm sure there's going to be times with the, the new design that I'm going to miss, you know, the old waterfall. Um, but I've, I've kind of known about it for quite a while. So I think just because of that, I've been, it's not a big surprise. So I'm kind of getting myself ready for it to be gone and in fact um, I've got a news article that will be coming out soon with some new information I got just a couple of days ago and and it sounds like um, things are speeding up quite a bit inside the, well, the lobby construction plans and I would expect to see the waterfall um, walled off in the next probably week or two so well, hopefully people can get out there and see it for the last time because I guess the walls that are going to go up are going to be about you know from basically from floor to ceiling up to the second floor and and close that whole midsection off. Is there an issue with the asbestos? Yeah, all all the buildings had, you know, asbestos materials used because of, you know, when they were built. The um the longhouse rooms had it removed back in 2002. They they gutted the whole thing. I mean, there was nothing left in those rooms, not even walls, and uh did them one at a time. And then uh, the hallways were just done during this last design because they, they redesigned the hallways and they took what was remaining out of the longhouses. But the, um, I, I remember five or six years ago, they were, they were telling me they were probably going to close down the Great Ceremonial House um, for a couple of reasons. One being the asbestos needed to be removed. And it's, it's not a danger as it sits, you know, it's, it's undisturbed. But right. uh, eventually they have to remove those materials and, and they're basically going to have to get into, you know, a lot of cracks and crevices of that whole entire building to to get it all out you know a lot of people don't really realize uh, you know the contemporary's got some history 
um, with it, and the Polynesian has some history with it. With the contemporary, um, Richard Nixon gave his famous speech, I am not a crook speech. Right. And at the Polynesian, you know, the only people that really know this are Beatle fans, but uh, there's a lot of people that really don't know this, but the the Beatles officially broke up at the Polynesian Resort. And that's... Well, actually, a Polynesian village, but... The Poly- yeah, a Polynesian village. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah, well, they signed the paperwork, he, or John John Lennon signed the paperwork to do that. And right. and the funny thing is, is you'll often see um, pictures floating around. In fact, I think I have one in my history section of uh, John sitting on a, um, a lounge chair at a pool wearing his uh, Mickey Mouse shirt and it, and it actually was from the trip that they took um, to Disney World but the funny thing is is that that set of pictures of them at the pool a lot of people think it's the Polynesian pool and it was actually a, a pool um, at a um, resort located in Cocoa Beach that they went to after staying at the Polynesian oh really yeah hmm. but I, I did find out I, I still everyone always asks me especially Beatles fans um, you know what's the room that he was in when he when he did it and and uh I know um, May, in her book or in some interviews, had talked about being there, but she couldn't. I guess either didn't want to say or couldn't remember what room, which would make sense. I mean, how often do you remember exactly what room you were in? You know, 30 years ago or 40 years ago. And um, so, but I did find out that I guess they were in the Samoa building when they when they were here, or the, oh, when okay. they were in Polynesian. So now we'll have Beatles fans flooding the whole building. Yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> That's not one that's being removed for DVC, I hope, or Beatles fans will be up in arms over that. Yeah, well, actually, no buildings are being removed, but uh, two of them will be converted. So now, with the the DVC, are they really making it? Uh, I, I, you know, I, I vaguely have seen the plans, but I don't. I, I've seen the um, uh, just the the blueprints. There's no elevate no elevation plans that I've seen. But what are the the rooms, the DVC rooms, going to be looking like? Are they supposed to be like the the glass bottom? like you see in like Tahiti or something like that? No, it seems, you know, as we see them being built um, right now, it seems to be that they're going to um, actually mimic um, the longhouses themselves. Um, if you look at some of the pictures I've been posting uh, just in the last week or so, uh, they've got the structures up, a couple of them up, and then they have the roof lines that the, the trusses are out on the beach, um, and, and they look pretty much like a smaller version of the, the roofs on the, um, the longhouses. Which will be interesting because that means they're going to be, you know, quite a bit taller than the, just the room itself. And we all know how upset everybody is about, um, you know, the, the view being blocked. So, and, and, and as far as the glass bottom thing, it, I've only heard that in rumors. I've never heard anybody actually working on the project uh, ever mention having a glass bottom. But then again, I was thinking, what would you look at? Exactly. And, right. <laughs> you know, you look at the weeds grow underneath it. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I can't imagine why. The only thing I could think, um, and, and if you look at the rooms now, there's no cutouts in the in the areas they're building them on. But the only thing I could think, and I've heard this thrown around as a, as a rumor, is um, that they would have kind of a a fake uh, glass bottom that was more of a um, you know a, a a screen that would show a, an animation or something. Yeah, kind of like they do. Isn't there some of the rooms that have like a, a fake porthole, like on the ship? Correct. And they yes. Have a porthole yeah. and have like animations show up on it or whatever. And right. I could see them doing something like that, but on the other hand, I don't know if they want to really take up the, the square footage with you know having some big you know screen in the middle of your room. Yeah, I don't know how I'd like that. Supposedly they're going to be uh, uh, two bedrooms and uh, sleep nine, and oh, wow. and they look, you know they look pretty big. Um, 
now that they're going up, um, I, I was pretty surprised at how big they actually were. I'll be there in a couple of months. We'll have a better idea of um, really what it's going to look like. Because be, I'm going to be eating at Ohana's, so I'm happy I got my reservations there, so I'll be able to see what's happening. Yeah, that's the that's the other thing. I once the pool area starts to uh, be closed off and, and redone, I I know they're putting up a fence um, that will limit uh, access at least to the pool for only um, Polynesian guests. But I know there's been ideas thrown around that. The, the fence will actually fence off, you know, the area just outside of uh, the Great Ceremonial House and, and actually keep non-guests even off of the, the main beach area. Oh, wow. So, uh, I, I mean, it's, it's something they've struggled with for years. There's actually, you know, there used to be signs up all along, all over that said that the beaches and the pool areas were for Polynesian guests only. And, and you know, I can understand how people would be upset because a lot of people go there and they like to view the fireworks or, or, you know, go to dinner and then after go over to the beach. And we've always, you know, suggested that's a, a nice thing to do. But I think what's happening is it's getting so out of control um, that it's kind of the only way they're going to be able to limit that is to, you know, have these gates that you, you'd have to go through having a, um, a room key, um, or, you know, or be a guest at the hotel to be able to get, get out to there. Because I know even recently they've been having people that are non-guests going up to the, the patios and taking chairs off the patios and bringing them out to the beach and oh, wow. things like sure. that. And it, you know, with as expensive as it is to stay there now, you, you know, you got to be understanding that people that pay to stay there would, you know, be upset at kind of that kind of activity going on. Oh, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. I mean, you know, it's a little bit intrusive. You're on vacation, like you said, you spend a lot of money there, and you want to be able to enjoy where you are without having worrying about how crowded it's going to be. You know, do these people really belong there? It'll be good for them to, uh, you know, make it a little more secure. Yeah, and there's going to be, you know, less beach um, to see from because basically now the, the, t- the beach in front of Tahiti is gone um, and totally blocked by um, bung- the, the bungalows on that side. And then pretty much... Most of the way, if you if you line up yourself with almost the last room in Hawaii towards the lounge and look towards the castle, you're you're looking directly at the first bungalow that wraps around that side. So so pretty much the ground floor of Hawaii, that that whole beach area all the way down is going to be blocked from beach level by the by the bungalows, at least to see the castle. I mean, you'll be able to see fireworks for it. But um, so, you know, I, they, they considered that those those rooms currently have been downgraded to Garden View. Oh, really? So it may be that they, they stay that way, or at least I can't see them being more than a lagoon view, at least on the lower floor. Um, and, and, you know, that's for me, that's kind of a bummer, too, because our, our favorite room is on the ground floor of Hawaii, um, about halfway down the building. So, you know, our, our view has changed. But then again, prices have gone up so much that I think maybe the only way I'll be going back there anymore is if I do buy into DVC. I, I've always wanted to stay at the, the Polynesian, so luckily I'm a DVC member, but even then, the amount of points it's going to take to stay there is going to be extremely high, so maybe instead of me spending five nights, six nights at, the, say, the Wilderness Lodge, I might only be able to do three nights at the Polynesian. So it just it, the costs are just getting really, really high. It's a shame. I was just say my concern about the Poly DVC is less about the number of points it's going to be and more about the size of the DVC at the Polynesian. It's probably going to be fairly small in relation, kind of like Grand Floridian. I think that's going to be the hard part is being able to get a room there, ignoring the fact that it's going to be a lot of points. Yeah, well, you. Will, I mean, 
the, the two longhouses they they're gonna convert I know I figured out the numbers before but it, it makes up a it's somewhere around uh, it's like 30 percent oh it's 28 percent of the rooms that they're at the Polynesian will turn into DVC it's a it's 237 rooms and that doesn't oh, wow. include the 20 bungalows that are out on the um, on the shore so but I, I kind of take those even out of consideration because from what I'm told it's going to be like a, a week's worth of points in the studio is going to be what you'll need for one night in a bungalow. Wow. So <laughs> I, I don't even know if I, you know, I know you can borrow from one year and st- uh, save from the previous year. And I, I can't even imagine if I buy into it and I do that, you know, being able to spend more than a couple of nights there, if anything. Not, it's not really a rumor to me because the people that are telling me I trust with the information, but I know a lot of people consider it a rumor that um, all the converted rooms are going to become studios, and that's what I was told they are. And interestingly enough, if you look at some of the um, plans that they submitted for uh, – or the uh, permits they submitted for the water waste management, um, they left uh, – they blocked out Tahiti on the, on the plans, but if you look at uh, Rapa Nui, it's – actually got some outlines inside the rooms and they're not the outlines of the current rooms. So our, our guess is that's uh, the first shot at the, uh, the plans for the um, actual uh, studios to be. And, and, and the good thing is, is the, the rooms over in uh, Rapa Nui and Tahiti are part of the last build that are the largest rooms on property. Um, so they're gonna, I guess from what I'm told, I don't know much about DVC, but from what I'm told about um, uh, most studios, is these will be the largest in the DVC collection. Wow, that'd be nice. Yes. Yeah. yeah so, and, and the the other thing you, that we've heard is that they're um, and and in the plans that you can see, uh, they um, the rooms are um, connecting. So you could, you know, essentially, you know, get two suites and and have them connect up. How? badly um, do you expect the construction to hurt the attendance at the poly? Well, <laughs> that's a good question. With all the stuff I've been reporting, I'm sure they're not too happy because you know a lot of details are going out as I get them that uh, Disney isn't le- necessarily sharing with everybody, which I think is somewhat unfortunate. You know, if you were planning your trip, you'd want to know what's going on. Right. Um, I get a lot of responses of people switching. You know, I don't know how large of a cross-section of all the people that are going there I, I hear from, but I, I think there's quite a few. But on the other hand, you know, they're down, you know, almost 240 rooms. So there's not as, you know, there's not as many. Fill. I heard they were 98% full just uh, last week. And, and you know, construction, at least on the east side, is, is pretty much in full swing with both of those longhouses closed and all the construction on the beach. And then shortly in here in March, we're going to start seeing, you know, things shut down in the Great Ceremonial House. So I think um, the people that uh, are going to be there during the majority of it were probably already booked or already switched. And uh, and I still hear people trying to book and they say it's full. So I don't think the Polynesian is going to be affected too much by attendance through this, unfortunately, or, or fortunately for them. Well, even the whole, the whole shutdown of the monorail during the day, it's just... You know, they gave guests, what, 30 days or 50 days or something like that. It wasn't a very long announcement that they were shutting down the, the monorail during the day. So, <clears throat> excuse me, if you have if you had something planned, and one of the reasons why you're staying at the Polynesian is, is so you can ride the monorail and take it to the, the parks. So not having that availability during the day is, is kind of a bummer. Yeah, you know, I, 
I, I get a lot of the um, I'll get a lot of the letters forwarded me that are going out to the guests, and and it kind of started back last September when when if they finally said you know things are going to be shutting down, and and it's really weird that, that even at the same time I'll get different letters to different guests stating different things like you know some they'll usually talk about the monorail being limited hours and and construction on the east side of the beach and everything else is fine and then another one said that you know Captain Cook's is going to be closed and there'll be stuff going on inside, inside the, the main lobby. It's very inconsistent. And the other thing that's frustrating and, and difficult for me through this process is, is their plans change so often. You know, I can even remember back uh, quite a few years ago, they were going to be shutting down the, um, the East Pool or the Quiet Pool, as most people call it. And they were going to do a complete redesign. I mean, I they were telling me about how they ha- were going to have like a grotto feel and it was going to have a zero entry and, and all these different things. And and then the plans got and the budgets got cut and all they did was end up resurfacing the pool and making it shallower. But even during that, you know, the dates for when it was going to close down. And you got to remember, a lot of times I was seeing like, a, you know, official information that guests weren't seeing. But a date would come out and then it would get extended. And then another date would come out and then it would get pushed out again. And then finally, the date would stick. But nobody was being notified that was going there. In fact, People that would show up the, the day of, they would get a letter under their door saying the pool is going to be closed. And that was like the only notification. They weren't even being told at the front desk. So I don't know if it's lack of communication with you know the staff telling them what's going on. Maybe it's because it changes so often they can't tell everybody because you know they can't keep track of what's going to happen when. But it's even more frustrating now because there's so many different projects that are you know planned and going to happen. And, you know, we've seen even the dates for the main pool get pushed out a couple times this year. And, and now they're finally saying they're, they're saying to guests that it's going to be in August or the end of July. But it's got it's got to be a tough time for people to, you know, decide to go there or not. And 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 they're not really sure, you know, what the state of the resort's going to be in. Now, being a fan or a lover like of the true islands overall, though, how does the poly do with kind of recreating the essence of the island culture? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that because that's one of my uh, frustrations over the years is, you know, trying to explain to people not only how often they try and, you know, update things and keep it authentic, but how much it's changed over the years. Because I think some people that don't understand the resort and haven't been going for, for so long or at least before the 90s, um, kind of think that the resort kind of hasn't changed. It's, it's the same way it was when it opened in 1971 and it's, date, you know, you hear dated and dark and looks like the Brady Bunch episode, things like that. <laughs> and, you know, for me, I, I, I hate to give those people a hard time, but, but you know, everyone uh, can have their own opinion. But for me, it's, it's a lack of understanding and knowledge when I hear those kind of comments, because, yes, when the Polynesian opened up, if you look at my history section and see the pictures of the rooms, they were awful. I mean, they were as dated as it gets. I mean, it was probably bad for the 70s. Um, and then, you know, throughout the 80s, it, it didn't get have a lot of improvements as far as authenticity. But what they did is in the early 90s, um, they actually brought in people from uh, the Kanapali Beach Resort over in Maui because that, that resort's considered the most Hawaiian out of all of them, uh, as far as authenticity and their the, the luau's they have, and just you know the culture that they bring to it, so they brought them over here to kind of redesign the place, and that's kind of when you saw the, the teal tile go away from the the main lobby, and they brought in the natural stone, and 
and uh, you know natural fabrics that they use and materials and, and just kind of gave it a, a facelift. And even from there, every so many five or six years, you know, they come in and they redo stuff. Somebody, somebody the other day was telling me, oh yeah, the lobby needs to be changed because the furniture looks so dated and it's so old. And, and it's funny, I, I said, well, how does it look old? It was just changed, uh, you know, five years ago. They, they brought in all new, all new chairs and rugs and, you know, materials. So they, so they really do concentrate on, you know, bringing in authentic things. It's not, and don't get me wrong, I love tiki bars, but it's not your, you know, cheesy tiki bar stuff. It's really authentic, authentic stuff. I think the new room design lacked a little bit of that. They seem to go a little bit more modern and a little more toned down. Um, but you know, they still tried to represent, you know, different cultures, not just Hawaii, obviously, but you know, different Polynesian cultures. Um, in fact, I, a lot of the things I see there, I wouldn't even say are representative of Hawaii as much as I, I've seen a lot, even in the architecture, that's uh, more based from what you would see in in Tahiti, uh, if anything. Speaking of. Um you know, tiki bars. Are there any rumors floating around? Is there any possibility of a, a Trader Sam's type bar coming to the, the Poly? Yeah, it's funny because I remember when I first heard that there might be a Trader Sam's out at uh, Disney World, um, everyone was saying, oh yeah, they're going to put it over at the, the new downtown Disney or what do they call it, Disney Springs. Right. And um, so I was really surprised when um, one of my inside guys said, it's going at the Polynesian. And, and for a while, I, I was kind of like, are you sure? And, and they kind of said, well, we'll get back to you. And then it wasn't too long ago, maybe um, six or seven months ago, uh, they said it'll definitely be in at the Polynesian. And, and now the, the, the latest information I have is um, that it will, they're planning on trying to open it by next February. So okay. February 2015, which will be interesting because the, uh, where it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be located um, right outside of Captain Cook's, um, kind of in that outdoor patio area. Right. Because they're, they're going to redesign basically from the Great Ceremonial House all the way down, leaving the existing pool and the existing slide, but retheming the volcano into kind of a smaller rock structure, um, and then um, expanding the pool deck area, including using, I guess, that area that the um, marina rental is at, and they're going to move that supposedly where the uh, premium cabana is. So it sounds like the pool deck's going to get larger. To me, it sounds like it's going to butt right up to um, uh, the Trader Sam's that'll be in that area outside. But what's, what I found interesting is if it opens in February, the pool area is not supposed to be done until um, uh, more like March of next year. So, you know, you would have thought they'd kind of open all that stuff all together since they're kind of adjacent to each other. But it'll be interesting to see how it, how it all turns out and, uh, you know, what relics they find to, to put inside there, kind of like, you know, what represents the, the stuff they've gathered for the one in Disneyland. That will do it for part one of this episode. Please stay tuned for part two coming in the next few weeks. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Be sure to let us know what you thought of this week's show. You can comment in the show notes over at EnchantedTikiTalk.com. You can email us at podcast at EnchantedTikiTalk.com. And you can also leave us a message on the Tiki Talk hotline, which is 256-4MY-TIKI. That's 256-469-8454. Be sure to like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Enchanted Tiki Talk. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter at Tiki Talk Podcast. Uh, Lastly, if you enjoy the show, please take the time to rate us on iTunes. And you can find me on on Twitter at One Minute Disney Dream. That's 1-M-I-N, Disney Dream, and mouseforvacations.com. You can find me on Twitter at Dole Whip Daily and online at uh, DoleWhipDaily.com. 
And you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. I'm at Norman Bates. That's N-O-R-M-N-B, the number eight and the letter S. Thanks for listening this week. For Sean and Keith and our special guest, Steve, a.k.a. Tiki Mans, I'm Alan, and this has been Enchanted Tiki Talk. Aloha. So what's your plan for getting past those guys? Live bait. Good idea. Hey. Come on, Timon. You guys have to create a diversion. What do you want me to do? Dress and drag and do the hula? Wow! If you're hungry for a hunk of fat and juicy meat, eat my buddy Goomba here because he has a treat. Coming down a dine on a tasty swine. All you have to do is get in line. Ah, you ain't it? Yup, yup, yup. Oh, some bacon. Yup, yup, yup. He's a big pig. Yup, yup. You can be a big pig, too. Hey! Ah! Ha, 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 ha!